Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. I'm your coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and I'm here to share all my ups, downs, and all-arounds of being a mom to my gorgeous Adia, owning a fitness business called Define London, and truly managing being a unsingle single mom as we cheer on my husband and his amazing business in Uganda. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. Is this a mic check? You heard that right. Uganda, and he is not doing the daily commute. So each week, I will be joined by a fellow inspiring, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We all need to take a deep breath together. We try, we navigate, and not be too hard on ourselves. I get it. I am human, and failures simply happen. I am not shiny, and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am, at its best and worst, busy mumsy. Welcome back to the Busy Mumsy Podcast. Ashley here, and oh, I'm excited today. I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be a real catch up for me as a blast from my past. Um, the fabulous Brett Shuford is coming onto the show with his darling husband, Stephen Hanna. They are new dadsies. Ah, I love it. They are new dads to Maverick, and I can't wait for this glorious catch up and just hear how their journey is going. So let's get into the conversation. Brett Shuford, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Oh, I thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I've been working so hard. I'm punching my card. Yeah. Oh my God. You doing... Let's hear it for the boy and like doing full on layout, like yeah. just total. You know yeah, no, I'm so not the girl to sing it, but <laughs> God damn it. I can give you a back and a leg. You did. You were laying it out on that floor. <laughs> so, so for the Busy Mumsies listeners, yes, Brett Shuford and I go back 20, 20 years. 22 20? to summer of 2000. Oh my gosh. We're in 2022. Look at that. Where did the time go? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, 22. Yeah, we were babies. I was 19 when I was, we I turned 21 the week we got to Vegas, and I was like out every night from there, from there on out. Like, I was just, I'm 21 in Vegas, forget it. <laughs> 19 with a fake ID in Las Vegas. So, we we both um met and launched Footloose the musical um, at the Rio hotel, which is now a dump. <laughs> <laughs> but at the but time it was new. Then, back then it was like rather fancy and shiny. I mean, we were like, were we the first show in that theater? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was the, yeah. And it was like, it was interesting too. Cause we were, I mean, we were so green and, but I remember, um, I remember like getting into that huge, I mean, this theater was cavernous and we started doing two it was a 90 minute version of footloose and we started doing two a day six days a week and they cut it down to one a day and so we were literally working for like two hours and they were putting us up <laughs> oh my gosh it was insane it was insane i mean the, there were so many shenanigans that were going on i know that i was not privy to a lot of it but I mean, I do have like flashbacks of like okay. some, some crazy people that like, I, you know, you know what happened one time? I, I will share this. I'm not going to say names, um, but someone in the cast was not so kind to me. 
And I remember coming off stage left for a quick change to get up the, um, the staircase for Almost Paradise. And it was a Velcro situation. It was super quick, had to get up the stairs and it was missing. <gasps> and my whole quick change was thrown out and the dresser was like, I don't, I don't know where it is. And it was gone. And they found, they ended up finding it. It was like tucked like behind a door somewhere. And yeah. And later I found out who it was. Um, yeah. Not nine. Well, not the nine. things, the things I remember about that show, I mean, rehearsals were intense because I remember like cell phones were new. Right. And I remember, do you remember like cell phones were brand new? And that was like one of the most vivid things I remember about the rehearsal process was people would not turn their cell phones off. And so you would just, because we just weren't used to having phones like we are now. No, it's and great. so we'd be in the middle of rehearsal and somebody's bag would start ringing and no one would notice who was and the director would get pissed off. You know, Brett, speaking of, of phones and cell phones, I actually got my offer for Footloose at the YMCA on the Upper West Side on the payphone. And I had to, I, and literally I gave them the number to reach me was a the number to that specific payphone on like the third floor at the YMCA. And then when I, I got the job, I had to call my mom using my, my 1-800 yes. AT&T calling card. Yes, I had one of those. Yes. Jet. So yeah. yeah, so 2000, and then and then the thing I the other thing I remember is oh, I don't remember a lot about what happened on stage because I was not in Vegas to do the show. I was in Vegas to go to the clubs, <laughs> go to the party. Like the show was like an afterthought. And there was this one girl. I shouldn't say names. I'll just say her name was Amy. Do you remember Amy? And we used to go out and like get like lit and I'm sober now of 17 years. I always tell people like I left Vegas with an alcoholism <laughs> degree. <laughs> um, and we would get, we would party hardy. And then, um, and then I remember like, it was just, it was just chaos. And then Patrick, I lived with Patrick and I, my 21st birthday, they blindfolded me and took me to cheetahs strip club, which is where the showgirls movie, you know, is shot. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, I'm so proud of you. I'm just when I look at you now and I look at like the woman you are, we were such children, and then to see the life you have and you being a mom and just you being a, an entrepreneur it's just, and living overseas. I mean, it's just I just I'm so so impressed by all that you've done over the years. Well, thank you. That is that is very, very kind. Thank you. Um and and likewise to you, because I actually you you made this um, statement on Instagram not too long ago, and it was about being kind of like authentic to where you're from. Mm. And I just loved that you were going down that road because who you are now is completely different to who you were back in Footloose days, right? So um, for our listeners, Brett is from Texas. And Texas has its own sort of personality in the States, as does West Virginia. I hold my hands up very high. I am from West Virginia. But the thing that, that I... I that Wait, one second. Stephen's, Stephen's joining us. I think he got Maverick down. Yay! Yay! 
on I the business. <laughs> I mean, that is what you do. You just like, yes. you, you just cross your fingers and you just hope that they sleep. We're just trying to get them to sleep a little bit longer. How it's are you? Longer. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Sorry. Nope. <laughs> we were just. I'm so happy that you could join. Yeah, thank you. We're me talking too. about me. We'll get to you in a minute. All right, go ahead. We'll Talk you about you. Because it, well, no, I, I, and it's so wonderful that you joined now. Because to, be, to for the listeners, Stephen and I don't know each other that well. I mm -hmm. I have more of a um of a crazy history with Brett in Las Vegas, as everyone just heard oh, about. Right. So so you know, Stephen and I are very vanilla when it comes to our relationship. <laughs> Yes, that is true. But, but I, I, I want to go back to Brett with growing up in Texas and finding your identity in mm. good old Texas. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? Well, I, I mean, I, I definitely, as a kid, never felt like I fit in, even at like six. I just never... My brothers were really into sports. I was not. I loved musicals. I, I wanted to sing and dance. I mean, I just knew that very young. And it wasn't really the most nurturing environment for that. And it wasn't, the, you know, it was 1985. It's just like a different time. And um, and my family, I just didn't really have, I mean, they were trying to be as supportive as they could. But with three brothers and my parents working, it was just a really it was really hard for them to um, understand or support me to a, to a greater level. There was always a lot of like, is this really what he wants to do? Is this really what like, um, and, and so, you know, it's like proof that I say this to young people all the time. Like if you know what you want to do early in life, you are very rare. Like, and people don't know what to do with that. People just are so confused by like, they, cause they think it's a phase or they think you're going to grow out of it. Or they think it's like, no, this is what I, I want to be on Broadway. I was like six. I want to be in theater, you know, <laughs> and they don't believe you. Um, and so then you're kind of get second guessing. And then on top of that being gay and, and, um, and I knew that very young, you know, and, and I knew I was, I knew I was different and there was just nowhere oh, to take that. you. I'm sorry to dive well, in there. How well, I mean, I just remember, like, I remember, doing a production of Gypsy at Community Theater in and Port who Arthur. did you have a crush on? And I had a crush on the guy playing Tulsa. And I remember at the like opening night party, this is so vivid in my brain, I must have been eight or nine. And I remember it was at like Pizza Hut. He was very brave. What did you do? <laughs> I crawled all the older, like he was like a teenager. So all the older kids were at this table with like the adults and all the younger kids were like playing games at whatever. And I remember I crawled on the floor behind the adult table, went to his chair, stood up, kissed him on the cheek and like ran back to the, right. So I, it was like there, it was all very present. Whether it wasn't, and, and it's interesting with this whole like Florida don't say gay bill and people it, it, and people talking about like sparing a child's innocence. Like my innocence like wasn't spared because I had I couldn't talk about it. Like and it created a lot of resentment and it created a lot of like fear. And um, and I had to live with that. And there's there's other kids that are having to deal with that and they can't talk about it. It just stifles so much of of their expression and their self expression. So for me, that identity part was was a challenge because so much of my my environment was trying to suppress who I was. So many 
you know, when I told my mom, I think at 14, I was like, I think I might be gay. You know, she's like, you're too young to know. You need to go to church. You, you need to get a job. She made me get a job at McDonald's in Orange, Texas. And I'm like working the drive through the summer of my 15th or 16th birthday. I mean, it was like horrible. It's like, no, I'm just, I'm just gay. Like, it's not a big deal, you know, when you think about it. But at the time, they did, they were doing the best they could with the tools that they had. And um, and I think when I left my home and I left Texas, I just really wanted to, to I just didn't want to be there because I just didn't, I never felt like I fit in. And I remember very vividly thinking, like, I always thought, like, four years ahead, I was always thinking if I could just get out of high school, I'll finally be able to be myself. If I could just get out of college, I could finally be myself. Right. And it, it, it was like a pattern that I remember really kind of carried into adulthood that was like, I could never really be present and in the moment and be really happy in this moment because I lived so long trying to get to the other side of something. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think that that's part of what led me or part of my alcoholism and my, and my, drug addiction part was just trying to numb the present moment because if I lived presently, I had to actually really look at who I was and talk and, and I, and live with my identity and accept that I was from Texas, you know, all those things. Um, and eventually, you know, I did. And I think that's kind of what that post was really saying is like, once I finally embraced that being from Texas or even being gay is not all of who I am. It's a part of who I am. And once I could kind of come to terms with that and know that like, that's just part of the story. It's not the whole story, but if I pretend that it's not part of the story, then I'm actually denying a huge part of my journey and, and the part that can actually help people and serve people, you know, in a greater way. It was really well said. Thanks. <laughs> the coffee kicked in. Well, well, well Stephen, I'm just going to pass the torch over to you because I would love to know for you finding your identity as well. Because um, I actually, um, um, to be very honest, are, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You're a Steelers fan. The, well, I mean, yes, hey, hey, I, hey, I have hey. to be. Yes. I, I mean, I'm from... Moundsville, West by God, Virginia. Oh, okay. And, um, so the closest airport is Pittsburgh. So that, okay, that means there you I'm go. Pittsburgh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, yeah. like he's he's more of a Heinz ketchup fan than a Steelers okay. fan. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, my dad has you know season tickets. Um, so yes, you know, in relationship to the Steelers, I am a Steelers fan. I know as much about football as I know. You know, I know the Steelers the best out of my knowledge of football, which is very little but um you are a yinzer so i am definitely a yinzer um you know i grew up saying things like at and <laughs> what you know it's an ad. like always i would say like at you know stuff like at i think I, I would always say things like like that like at um yes i have it i have it turned down i we're just looking at the, the shush sorry i know i'm like i just sure. put the shusher on and i could hear it i was like oh god sorry <laughs> sorry um <laughs> Two new dads. <laughs> so the question, what is the question? Finding my identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, finding your identity, um, you know, in Pittsburgh, in Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because like, I don't, you know, Brett talks about how he kind of knew that he was gay or I don't know that you voiced it like that, but that you kind of like took, um, you know, 
you were hitting on the Tulsa at your gypsy note. Um, I, my identity, I think, I don't know that I knew I was gay, but I knew that I liked things that girls liked and I wanted, and so like, I, I don't know if it was like, I wanted to be a girl or I was gay, right? And so I think, and it's because I had no, um, no example of it in my life, you know? So I like to play with Barbies. I liked, I like loved my Cabbage Patch Kids. I loved <laughs> brushing their hair. My aunt would come over and I would always do her hair. Um, but I, and like thinking back on it, I also, I, I wanted to be able to have crushes on boys too. Like I can remember my friend, Laura Guthrie, um, she had like, she would always talk about this boy. His name was Dave Tishner. Dave. <laughs> hey Dave, if you're listening. You know, and I like, I would kind of like hope and dream that I could be like that. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know if it was like knowing that I was gay or just knowing who I was, but not having the vocabulary or description words to describe it and put a label on it. Um, so yeah, I always had that feeling. I don't know if I knew that it was being gay. Um, you know, I, I wanted to dance. I always wanted to dance from an early age. Um, so that kind of like outwardly put me in a position of being different um, and being made fun of. Uh, I was the only boy doing it. So that kind of just put me in that realm of feeling uncomfortable, being bullied, um, for the most part, I was really supported by my family. Uh, my dad was actually a dancer growing up, so he was fully supportive of dance. Um, my mom was pretty supportive, although she tried to make me do everything and anything else besides dance to make sure that that's what I really wanted to do. Like, she made me wrestle. I was a swimmer. I was a bowler. I was on the basketball team. She used to bribe me to play t-ball. Um, <laughs> none of those things I really wanted to do um you know and then so i gravitated towards ballet at a really young age um and it was like what i wanted to do i went away to the school of american ballet at the age of 12 turning 13 um and you know it's interesting because i look back on it and it's you know people probably think going away to new york city um being in a ballet school that if you're gay, you would probably feel really comfortable coming out and saying that you're gay and being gay. Um, God, it's just so different. I feel like the nineties were such a different time too. Um, but um, I didn't feel that way. And I don't know if it was things that my parents said, um, things that weren't talked about as far as um, uh, being gay and what that means. Um, because I think, at least in my experience, I always thought of like, if I was gay, there was like this representation of growing up in the 80s and the 90s that that meant you were going to die of AIDS. Um, and so like that kind of made me fearful from a really, really, really young age and made it really hard for me to um, accept that part. Um, but also, was there was there something culturally in the ballet world too? I mean, do you feel like there was something that? Oh yeah, yeah. That they would say like the straight guys are stronger and more masculine, or did you feel like? There well, was you know, like it that? wasn't said. It wasn't said. You know, it wasn't like 
um, point blank said, but I just never felt comfortable. I think it was because, you know, you would be shocked to find out that at least when I went to ballet school, the majority of the guys were straight. They were not gay. Um, and if they were gay, they were hiding it really well. I don't know. <laughs> or I was just completely unaware, which is totally true and possible. Um, uh, but again, you're the 90s and New York City, a melting yeah. pot. A, yeah. you know, the, the stigma of, you know, going to the, about the identity of where you're from to now finding your identity in New York City. Yeah. That's a completely heightened yeah. element for, for both of you from Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, and from Texas. Um, or you said Orange, Texas. That's where mm -hmm. you were originally. That's where I went to high school. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely, and then you're in New York now, and then you both spent, years in new york you know just you a couple yeah <laughs> just a couple i mean do you want to see my scars um, <laughs> i mean i mean my goodness i i am so with you um but you're in new york and you are finding your identity and then you both find each other mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. i you guys have been to married 11 am i right 11 years yes yes that is correct you know i oh, look at me oh uh, no on our anniversary it took us a minute at some point we were convinced we kept saying the year 12 we we're like i can't believe it's been 12 years and then there was a moment where we were like wait a minute no it's been 11 years i have to keep like i count on my hand like i'm like yeah, okay I wait, I yeah. but we've been together 15 mm -hmm. together for right? 15. yeah mm -hmm. so you found your own identity in New York. You were able to embrace then to tell people where you're from. And then mm -hmm. where did the two of you meet? We actually met. Because there was no Bumble back then. So, no, you know. No. We actually met at a recovery meeting. Yeah, we met. So, you know, long story short, I went away at a young age and I found drugs and alcohol and eventually had to get sober. Um, and so that's where, where I met Brett. Um, he was sober as well. And um, and we were friends at first. For about six months, we were friends. We were friends, but like very, very flirty friends. I mean, like the, I mean, there were boundaries, but like, it was like, it was like, no, I'm here for you. You need to be sober. <laughs> <laughs> wink, 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 flirt, flirt, flirt. No, we're for here focusing yeah. on your sobriety. Yeah. Hey, you're yeah. so sexy. You know, like, oh, wait, wait. Just trying so hard to like, keep recovery first because that's yeah. one of the big suggestions but that's how we met um and you know we did remain friends for you know about six months or so and then we were not friends anymore um <laughs> and that's how it began and, and like talk about identity like i feel like my whole life was had led to me being on broadway that's all i wanted right and so once i got to broadway i remember the, like the big reveal was like Okay, now what? I'm sure you relate to that. It was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. I mean, Broadway is the NFL. Like we literally mm -hmm. joined the Steelers. Like we yeah, are yeah. at the height of mm -hmm. of career. And what is so freaking maddening about the Broadway business is that once you are in this amazing, glorious show, the next day after you open, and those damn reviews come out and they make or break or whatever you're going my agent's calling i need to get an audition and you're now back trying to in find the, the next thing yeah trying to find the next thing you're never satisfied yeah never. 
it's exhausting and it, and it was and it was it, you know it was also like i realized how much my identity was rolled into what i did and if i wasn't doing that i didn't know who i was mm-hmm. and i that's where the recovery work came it was like i gotta figure out who the fuck i am sorry <laughs> who the fuck i am because if i don't figure out who the fuck i am like then i'm gonna constantly be searching and seeking and um, and I had to get honest. I was trying so hard to deny my past. I have a brother with special needs. I have a twin brother. I had like all this stuff that was really not traumatic, but like, but you know, on, on some level really created a lot of stress growing up, especially the homophobia and, and cultural homophobia and like all the like, and I just had not dealt with any of it. I was mm-hmm. just like trying to, constantly keep my head like confident and above water and make myself appear as together as possible while on the inside I felt completely hollow and you get a Broadway show and you're like okay great and then you're and then it like you said it opens and you're like now what I gotta I gotta get the next thing or this isn't gonna run or this sucks the reviews are bad I need a hit or I need you know or people start to leave. That's always the yeah. That's the part. worst. Is when, when people, people start, start to leave leaving. to get new shows, you're like, oh my god, I suck. I'm never uh-huh. gonna work again. Right <laughs> in this show, nobody wants nobody me. wants me, and they're yeah. going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a compare and despair is like huge, and and so it just I I start. FYI, I'm calling my therapist after this. <laughs> I'm having major flashbacks right now. Yeah, you know, yeah. right? It's, yeah. And so I think talking about identity, it was like, okay, I need to figure out who I am outside of this thing. And, um, and once I started to do that work, then the theater and, and Broadway just didn't have the, 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 the stickiness that it had had my whole life where I needed it to feel like I belonged in the world. It was now like, this is a job. I just want to show up, do my job and go home and have this life that this can provide for me which is a hard thing to do in that industry because shows close. You can't get into like a groove in, in for too long because you're constantly having to move around and the schedule sucks and the schedules change and holiday schedules and then understudy rehearsals and swing rehearsals. And this is like, you know, it's exhausting. It's a, it's a challenging thing. And I know people who do it, as parents, I know they, you know, they do it very well and it's so impressive and, and they deserve to have a voice. And I think that our intention was to do that. We were going to be Broadway dads, you know? Um, And then the pandemic hit. And we still might be. Yeah. We can still go back. Yeah. Oh, please. That business, there's always one leg in. My my LaDuca heels are in the other room. Do not get that twisted. (laughs) That's right. Ashley, do you really need to hold on to these? Well, I don't know. No, yeah, I might have an audition. (laughs) Call me. If Barry Weisler calls me, I will be ready. You want to hear my honyak? Sure. (laughs) You're perfect for that. I I was on the tour. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I am so ready to give you. I, I, I can do the kickball change, but I can't do the layout anymore because my back hurts. But, um, And I have really bad sciatica still from you my. Put that, you put that back. You put that back through it. Yeah, that, that back, back through, through it. it. That is okay. <laughs> now, finding now that you guys went through, but you guys found each other. 
15 years ago, been married for 11, you found each other and you were able to be in a business, the same type of business together, but then be each other's ride and die to support and figure out sobriety. Where did you find out on your journey that you both wanted to be parents? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was an early conversation or not. Was it? it was early on, like in the first few years. I remember having yeah. a conversation, like, you know, it'd be really fun to raise a kid with you. Right. I think we'd have a. I think it'd be really fun to watch you. Well, you know, and also when we first started dating, <laughs> because like also at the time we had no, um, or at least I had no role models of people, gay people being married. Really, I had a couple people that I knew that were getting married. So then I started to see it, and then I realized, oh, we want to get married, oh, right? Because like, do you do you know Eric Scotto and, and David um, Eggers? David Eggers, yeah. Like, because he was doing Billy Elliot with with David, David, and they had had their first son, Sam. Yeah, that's what it was. And I remember yeah. Sam was is, was so tall and long, and I remember like seeing them at the stage door, like Eric yeah. waiting for David at the stage door, and I'm waiting for Stephen and. And Sam's like in the stroller and his limbs are just like hanging out of the stroller because he's yeah. so tall. So they were kind of like the first. And that was what went in the conversation. Was like, yeah, I think it'd be really fun to raise a kid with mm-hmm. you. But we just didn't know how. We didn't know why. Yeah. We were like waiting for the right timing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We were waiting for it to just happen naturally and it wouldn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we kept hey, trying. Listen, and listen trying. My, my husband, I, I would love to have baby number two, but my, my husband predominantly works in Uganda and um, they haven't come up with that whole situation that we can get pregnant via Zoom. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I get you. I totally yeah. get you. I'm waiting on you, science. I'm waiting yeah. on you. Yeah. So, so you, you decide um, over the years that you want to have kids together. And when did you um, begin your surrogacy journey? Well, it actually, the whole parenting thing started with us debating whether or not we wanted to do surrogacy or adoption. And we had a lot of conversations about like, do we want to adopt? Do we want to do surrogacy? And we were really on the fence about it because um, there's plenty of kids that need homes and we know we could give, you know, an adopt and give a kid a great home. And then one day Stephen, it just kind of hit Stephen how passionately he really wanted to have a biological child. His dad was an only child. His brother doesn't have any kids. And um, he really wanted to pass down the gene, the gene pool. So that was part of the conversation. And then there was another, there was a movie we watched. There was this Molly Shannon movie. And I wish I could, I can never remember the title of it, but Uh she's, She's dying of cancer and her actually gay son in the film is visiting her on her deathbed. And she's like, just promise me you'll come visit your sisters. And she's like, because when you come to see her, you'll see me in her face. And for some reason, it, it gets just, emotional like, every time he talks about it. That, that like reality of that and the truth in that. Um, I was like, let's just try and have a baby through surrogacy. Yeah. Let's just see what we can do. Let's see, figure this out. And see the, if we can do and it. And the reason we questioned it is, is because it's so expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's like getting the Mercedes of babies, right? It's just like a huge investment. And we aren't independently wealthy. We never, you know, we've we've lived primarily paycheck to paycheck as artists in the theater industry. So we just weren't sure how we would be able to do it, but we were like, we're just going to get more information and keep moving forward. And And so that started in, I think we went and got our sperm tested like 
November, December of 2017. Then we went and made our embryos uh, in 20, March of 2018. Um, and, and we froze those mm -hmm. and we kind of did it piecemeal. piecemeal. Mm -hmm. And then we had a surrogate lined up in 2019 who bailed on us. She bailed the week right, of Thanksgiving. Right before we had the contract signed. She was like, I don't want to do this. So then we were really disappointed. And then we were at a friend's yep. birthday party. And our friends, our mutual friend was there. And she was just like, I would totally carry your baby for you. And we were like, really? Because we're going to call you tomorrow. We will. And she was like, no, yeah, let's have a conversation. <laughs> And that was Crystal, and she ended up being our surrogate. And that was in December of 2019. We were supposed to start the process in March of 2020, and then the pandemic hit. Yeah, like literally got yeah. delayed. So we, we can't believe it actually happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even up until the week before he was born, we were in Florida, and she was very pregnant, and I'm holding him in my hands, like touching her and him. And I was still in disbelief that he would actually – I was like, is this really going to happen? And <laughs> – and it didn't. I, I'm sorry, but I just need to rewind for a second. You're you're at a party. Yeah. And you know, Crystal, Crystal Robinson, Robertson, yeah, yeah, just yeah. kind of casually leans across and says, I'll carry your baby. Mm -hmm. She did. And, and she had had some wine. Yeah. So it was very loose because she was like, oh, I'll totally carry your baby. I was like, you're drunk, but we'll call you tomorrow. <laughs> Wow. I mean, that yeah. is a heart of gold. Uh -huh. She's amazing. Yeah. That is, that is unbelievable. So yeah. she um, gets knocked up. And yeah. um, so you guys go, so did, does she, was she carrying the baby in Texas? Were you she guys lives in Orlando. She lives in Orlando. She has, you know, two kids um, and is married and, so she was living her life as a, as a mom. She just happened to be carrying our baby. And, um, and so she gave birth with her OB in Orlando at her, the hospital she chose, you know, we wanted it to all be, it's all, it's all just to make it as comfortable as possible for her. But in, in, in surrogacy in the States, at least <clears throat> you have to, every single state has its own laws around surrogacy. So we have to get a lawyer in Florida that understands the Florida laws and can get the birth certificates and all of that stuff situated before, because each state is different. Like some states are, are very easy when it comes to the surrogacy process and some make it really, really challenging. Um, Florida is well, not, 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 not I was like, Flo Florida is not helpful. Florida wasn't as bad. Actually, it was surprisingly... Texas and Florida are probably two of the easier states. Yeah. Surprisingly. surprisingly California is pretty hard um New York is the is the worst yeah of really? all states yeah. yeah you know I when I when I was watching your journey and um Crystal's journey um to bringing Maverick into the world I in my head immediately was like oh my god Florida oh my god they're passing a bill that you can't say gay in yeah. in schools and like I can't even wrap my brain around it like who it's, who even thinks that that's okay and but it's infuriating but here you are just you know casually bringing a human into the world and in florida. Like, in florida like how about the biggest middle finger to florida for, for you know passing such a silly stupid law and um you know it's such a beautiful thing that you 
were able to do it. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you have delicious Maverick. Oh my God. I mean, firstly, where, where, where did you guys decide on this name? Because I was like, it's, it's gold dust. He's waking up. We might need to, do you want to, he's getting hungry at that. Let me just hear if he's making noise a little bit. Oh, you're Sorry. you're still in that phase. Like if they like kind of like No, he's like, okay. He's okay. I think we'll be all right. His eyes are his open. eyes are open, but he's okay. <laughs> he's gonna cry soon. I have a feeling. All right. <clears throat> so the name this is good. Maverick. Um so for the longest time when we were about to have a baby, we wanted to name um if it was a boy, McColl. Brett Brett's middle name is McColl. We were like, we love the name McColl. We were like, that's it. For the longest time, we were dead set. It's the Irish family name. And then for whatever reason, one day I was like, what if we call him Maverick? Um, and I don't know why I thought of it at the time, but Brett, and I'm sure this had something to do with it, but Brett and his twin brother Bart are named after the TV show Maverick. Which was an old Western mm -hmm. show from the 50s that my mom was obsessed with as a kid. And then there's actually a movie that with Mel Gibson, Jodie Foster, that came out in like 95 or something. Mm -hmm. And it's called Maverick. And Mel Gibson plays Brett Maverick. And that's the character I'm named after. And so Stephen was like, what do we call him Maverick? And since we live in Texas now, and it just felt like... And the definition of it oh, is, you yeah. know, independent thinker doesn't go with the crowd. And I was like, great, sold, Love done, it. bam. Um, so that's kind of how it all, that, that kind of happened. And then James is a family name on his side. So we were like Maverick James is super cute. And then, and then we hyphenated our last names so that everything matches. No matter where we go in the world, there's no question <laughs> whose kid he is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Amazing. So now that you are in the the thick of it, you're you're on the other side. You you've gone through um, you know the beautiful journey, the ups, downs, and all arounds with Crystal. And I'm telling you what, I, I honestly like I had can visualize. Hey, yeah, I'll totally carry your baby. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. Um, yeah. So where does that leave you now? With you have Maverick and your relationship with Crystal. Cause I, I think it, it differs like amongst a lot of people with how this plays I mean, out. I mean, do you, is she- You, you talk to, you, you guys talk, I'm gonna get a bottle. Yeah, 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 and get him. Oh. go ahead. Is yeah. this something that you want to like keep that relationship going that it's important or is this something that you just like, no, these were the papers that we signed and now it's, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think for a lot of people in surrogacy, because they don't have a previous relationship with their surrogate, I think that um, it would naturally kind of be that way, like something written on paper. And then once it's done, it's done. Um, we were already friends with her. Um, so our relationship now has grown leaps and bounds um, because of the journey that we went on with her. And um we feel so close with her and we spent so much time with her on FaceTime and we spent time with her in Florida and it's definitely a relationship that will just continue to grow. Um, you know, we'll definitely see her. We still talk to her on the phone pretty regularly already. Um, you know, and a lot of people ask questions or at least did, um, aren't you nervous maybe that, she's gonna try and take him back or keep him. Um, and there's really, sorry, you can hear him. There's really no fear of that. 
um, because she was just, you know, helping us out. And she explains it like she, like her sister would be pregnant and like the joy she would feel for her sister. Um, but at the same time, she was carrying it, you know? So she was like, I never really felt maternal instincts towards the baby, just like excitement. And I wanted to see the baby like as a friend, you know? And um, here he is. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he, he just was waking up. I gotta feed him. <laughs> and it's time. I mean, it's literally five. He he made it. He he did that. He did, well. he he did, did it. it. He did it. Oh, that's so sweet. Look at you two. He did Look, it. You guys are dadsies. Yeah, we are. We are. I mean, that that, Our, that's, that that is the beauty of of busy mumsy. It is all races sexes, religions, mm -hmm. it's all of it. Because parenting, loving a child, having a child is is a freaking gift. However mm -hmm. way you are blessed with one. Mm -hmm. and, you know, the, we, we all go through the, you know, the traumatic days and the really awesome, wonderful days, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just so, he's just so he's sweet. Just so Even sweet. when he's like crying, you're just like, oh. I know best shit ever, right? Sorry, remember? Yeah, <laughs> he can't hear. I've got the headphones the in. Child poop <laughs> is the absolute best. Oh, now that people are both parents, what what are you like? What have you learned now that is like shocking to you that you never thought in a million years you would either you would experience or you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, watching him, watching him come into the world, mm -hmm. being in the delivery room and seeing Crystal's, Crystal's willingness to just the, oh my, I'm going to get emotional talking about it. The vulnerability of watching Crystal, who it just like, it, it felt like such a gift for her to carry the baby mm -hmm. for us, but then to watch her do and watch him come out of her i mean it was just like one of the most yeah magical and surreal and um mm -hmm. seeing his face for the first time and mm -hmm. feeling his body against mine mm -hmm. and his heart beating against mine was uh it's just one of the best feelings ever i've never felt that it, you know and it's like in all the years of drugs and alcohol I used and all these years of being sober from it, it is a better high than anything I ever had. And I just, <clears throat> I, I, I just am so in love. It was like the minute I saw his face, I was like, this is like a different type of love. And mm -hmm. uh, I just feel so, so blessed. Same. Yeah. It's interesting too. Like I usually the second time I wake up in the middle of the night, we, we do shifts. I do 12 to four and he does four to eight. And usually like the two to 3am is when I'm really out of it. When I wake up and go to the room and, um, but, and he usually, I usually have to change him at that point because sometimes he has like a full diaper and it's a whole thing. I have to undo the swaddle and, and he usually cries and then I have to feed him and that, you know, it's like a whole thing. Um, but it's like the strangest thing because I think under, if it was anybody else's kid, if he was like kind of crying and being like that, I would be like frantic and a mess. But um, because he's ours, I'm able to just, 
be there with him and get him through it. And as tired as I am, it's like, I was saying this to Brett the other day. I was like, it's so weird because I'm so tired, but I like love it at the same time. I'm just like, okay, it's okay. You know, I don't know. The weirdest things I'm like enjoying, you know? So, yeah. Well, this actually goes back to the very beginning of identity. I think that you both have found your identity. Mm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I- You have found peace and happiness and you have found, you know, like even with me and Adia, I just look at her and just like, she gives me inspiration. She gives me strength. She she makes things make sense Mm -hmm. when they used to never make sense. And the hamster wheel of things that I thought were constantly important, Mm -hmm. they're they're important, but- But there's there's a lot more to it now when you have that little tiny human relying on you every day. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I'd be so tired and frustrated and have so much fun at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah. this is fun, but oh my God, I'm stressed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. So to our um, to our listeners on the Busy Mumsy podcast, I would love to close the show with your words of wisdom, your advice to any expecting Busy Mumsy out there. What have you learned that you would like to share with them? Um, just like practicality things. Um, you know, glow in the dark pacifiers are great. Um, find a swaddle that you can do well, or that will go on your the ollie, the ollie swaddle, the ollie velcro is like completely changed our life. Um, I didn't realize how important your swaddling skills were until you know. So really, start practicing and figuring that out. Breathe, <laughs> breathe. I've learned like sometimes I'm holding my breath while feeding him, or like, or like. It, oh, and I'm like, okay, if I breathe, he'll breathe. Like, mm-hmm. there's just such a synchronicity that has to happen. And he'll, he'll, he'll totally stress out if I'm stressing out. He'll totally hold his breath if I'm holding my breath. So the more I breathe and the more I just kind of be present, this is the gift of, uh, you know, kind of talking about identity is how to be present. I know how to be present now, thank God, because this guy needs me to be present. Mm-hmm. The more present I am with him, the easier he digests his milk, the easier he burps. <laughs> also, just another practical thing is I tend to always put him on my left shoulder and I'm not always like this. So just don't be afraid to do both sides. You know what I mean? <laughs> Balance it out. Because <laughs> I'm always like this. And I'm like, oh God, this morning I was like, Steven, you need to start going to the right. <laughs> that, that is an absolute great start of finding balance there. But, you know, I, I think with, with parenthood, you just got to find some sort of balance throughout the entire journey. <laughs> but isn't so, that such a dancer thing to say? It's like, so you got to be able to turn on both legs. <laughs> <laughs> that is very, that is very true. Especially if you're doing a stro show. That's right. That's right. All right, guys. Well, I can't thank you both enough for coming on to the Busy Moms podcast. I have to say also, too, before I say my, my, my loves and goodbyes, that Maverick is the first delicious little one that has come on the show. Oh, Maverick, Yay. look. I, I just absolutely love little, little firsts like this. Oh, he's and a he cute. is 
so scrumptious and so sweet and so quiet. Mm, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> He's eating. Yeah. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you, Love you Ashley. Thank Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Busy Mumsy Podcast. If you have enjoyed this week's show, then please, please give it some extra love wherever you download your podcast and give it a five-star rating, a high five, a kickball change, a yes, yes, go Busy Mumsies. And don't forget, you can find out more information about this week's guest, what we discussed, and everything else related to the world of Busy Mumsy by clicking the link in the show notes down below. 